0: Today I'm excited to chat with Tyler from Juno winning band Said the Whale. We talk about radio's impact on their career, what it's like being in an independent band, and how the industry has changed over the years. Enjoy. Okay, cool. Well, stoked to, uh, to talk with you, man, and uh, you guys have had a lot of success. You're a Juno-winning band. You've been a staple in the Canadian indie rock scene for years and years. Um, it's awesome, man. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked. I've, I've been a fan for a long time. It's, uh, it's one of those things where I feel like uh, I turn on the radio and I'm pretty much going to hear one of your songs almost every single time. Uh, and, and that's pretty fucking awesome.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that, man. It's actually it's crazy that we've never crossed paths because, you know, I, I know that your man is also very successful um, and uh, it's weird. I, I feel like also a lot of it is because I have kids. So, I'm yeah, not sure. Letting, I'm not like yeah. I'm not out there. Like I was gonna. Worked. I was
0: gonna ask. I am going to ask you about that, but but maybe in a little bit. So yeah, sure. Um, I guess. Firstly, uh, I think I counted. You guys have uh, I think seven albums plus some B sides uh, and deluxes. Uh, very impressive. You guys are obviously a very prolific uh, band. Where do you continue to find uh, songwriting inspiration that feels new and fresh? It's a good question. I mean,
1: uh, to be honest, I don't feel like we're that prolific. Um, I think you know, we, we have like a a great body of work and we counted it up. Actually, we have, we've released 162 songs now, um, which is awesome, but it it always, I mean, at least for me personally, it it just comes in spurts. Um, sometimes I won't write a song for like a year. Um, no exaggeration, um, even more sometimes. And then I'll just all of a sudden get a burst of creativity and it's always just, um, coming from personal experience you know living lives um, and uh, in terms of like sonics and stuff you know I think we tend to draw from like a, a similar canon uh, of music but you know I, I listen to a lot of new music and am I, I'm constantly uh, inspired um, although I also realize I'm saying that on the heels of having just released a song that is like the most Like '90s rock throwback. It's got
0: a got a a cool Weezer
1: vibe. I like it. Totally. I mean, I wear that on my sleeve. I'm I'm a Weezer diehard, and nice. Actually, so we opened, we we played with Weezer um, on the Ambleside Festival in the summer, and had a chance to chat with Brian Bell quite a bit. Who's the guitar player? Okay, Um, which was awesome. And I love it when like a, a big, huge headlining band just kind of wanders backstage and just like strikes up conversation with all the support acts um so so that was awesome i i always i love that um and uh we started talking and i just told him uh, you know man like i've been trying to write blue album weezer songs my entire career and he's just like dude us too
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice that's awesome do you do you guys in the band um do you all have similar tastes in music or is it quite varied it's quite varied yeah um
1: really like there's no other way to say it. like we all you know whoever's in, if we're in the tour van and, and somebody's choosing music it's whoever's driving it's a completely different vibe um
0: and and are you so correct me if i'm wrong but both you and Ben are kind of singer songwriters almost on your own accord do you guys write totally independently and then you all get together and work on a song or are you guys kind of writing together in a room from scratch or do you do a bit of both or it's very, very separate. Like, um, yeah, him and I will
1: write totally separately um, and get a song to various level, levels of completion. Sometimes, you know, oftentimes all, I will come to the table with like a fully fleshed out song and sort of like the full structure and idea and, and a lot of the parts and stuff. And then we just kind of like learn how to play it and play it and, and things inevitably change um and and then everything from that to like a total scrap like throwaway, just idea that's 30 seconds long that gets turned out into into a song um usually in the studio like if we're writing it will generally be in the studio these days there was a time when like our band was more of like go go into the garage and like jam but we don't really do that anymore
0: and so has the way that you guys have, obviously, you've recorded over 150 songs, that's a lot of songs. Has the way you guys have recorded, has that changed or evolved from kind of the early days? And have you found a way now that you like recording? Or are you kind of always searching for for new ways to do it? Or,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we will always remain open minded. Um, but yeah, as I was just kind of saying, like in the early days, it would be like, you know, we're a band that had, like, a garage behind the house I lived in. We, would like, jam and, like, bring totally unfinished songs, work on them there, like, get them kind of to a place where we felt like we could go record them. And then we go to the studio and just kind of, like, layer like, the part we, we knew was happening. Um, and now it's very different where we'll, like, I guess also, like, it's become a lot easier to demo songs to, yeah. like, full completion So I do that a lot. Um, Ben doesn't quite do it as much. So oftentimes in studio, there's just a lot of um, kind of writing and creativity happening in the studio, which is something that we never, ever used to do uh, as a younger band.
0: And what about, um, how do you go about picking producers? Um...
1: Honestly, just like the vibe, you know, we kind of, we've settled into Steve Bays quite a bit recently, um, just cause he's such an awesome guy to work with. Um, we've done lots of work with Tom Dobransky in the past and, and we'll for sure be working with him again. Uh, I, I would imagine in the future. Um, it's really just like a, someone like whose body of work we, um, we appreciate and be someone who's just like a, a good hang in the studio is like a fun place to be.
0: And do you guys give like, um, like how long do you typically if you're gonna do uh, whatever a twelve or fifteen song record uh are you guys doing like a song a day or or do you budget for that and you're like hey we're we're behind or are you like uh, oh, we just kind of take it and see what we get and we book a certain amount of days or how do you how do you go about that?
1: We've done it lots of different ways, you know in the past we've done times where we'll like lock out a studio for like two months and just like make like a fifteen song record um I have trouble imagining that we'll do that anytime soon um you know we're, we're we're tightening up we're an independent band we're not you know we're signed to my label but it's essentially independent um and so we have to just be really really conscious of of kind of money spent you know like any any like if you want to spend five thousand dollars on a song you have to get a million streams um, totally yeah and that's that's a tall order um i mean you guys absolutely crush streaming that's not the kind of band we are we are you know i think in in like indie rock and like rock music specifically it's it is quite hard to get streams. It just—it's not as it's just not like a streaming-friendly genre historically, um, and so we are really, really conscious with how much we're spending. Um, you know, I, I think kind of moving forward, we've had these discussions. Like, okay, if we're gonna do a song that like, you know, uh, we think has a chance at radio, like, yeah, we'll go spend like a few thousand dollars making the song, like maybe five grand. That's sort of like a, a mid-level like indie rock pop song.
0: Um, if we're and gonna that, do that, be that'd be all in. That'd be with producer, mixing, mastering, everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like where where our heads are at with that. And that's okay. So we have to get a million streams or like get on the radio to recoup that.
0: And that's a pretty um, that's a pretty healthy budget for for a song. Like I
1: totally like, and and not I'm talking like that's a song where we're like okay we're quite sure like we've we've talked to our radio team. We think that we can you know we can get some traction with this. If there's a song that that we don't think has any chance of being on the radio, we just need to keep it lean, you know. Like let's let's go like five hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks. Like just keep it really, really tight.
0: So okay, so walk me through um, radio a bit because you guys have obviously had a lot of success at radio. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think "I Love You" is one of your most successful radio songs. That that pretty much like topped, yeah. that topped like alt radio in Canada, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it
1: was number one in Canada. Um, it sat right above Lord Royals. Wow. For a minute there, so that, that wow, was kind of nice. That's crazy. And then she like very quickly uh, jumped up to the number one. Fair top enough. Top you top. can still get
0: the screenshot of it. It still counts, you know. It's on, it's on my hard drive somewhere. Nice. Um, <laughs> did you guys know out of that batch of songs that that was kind of the obvious one to send to radio? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like from the second that it was demoed, it's like, oh, OK, this is a song that is going to do really well at radio. So let's let's go with it.
0: And had you had any success at radio prior to that song? You had yeah. Camilo, right? That, I know that that song that was earlier, right?
1: Yeah, Camilo was kind of the first one that like put us on the radio, um, and I think it was like in like the mid twenties on like Canadian charts. Um, and then after that, there was a couple. Yeah, Loveless was on the radio a little bit. That was from our album Little Mountain. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, um, I love you. Kind of just, you know made us establish as like a band who can be on alt radio in Canada.
0: Okay. So clearly uh, yeah. you guys are very good at picking radio singles, uh, which is not super easy to do. Um, is that something that it's mostly you guys being like, okay, we absolutely know this is the one. Or are you sending it to a radio team and being like, what's your opinion on these three songs? Or how have you had so much success at picking the right ones?
1: Um, I mean, okay, first of all, we have, I, we haven't been like wildly successful at radio. We've had, you know, the songs have done well, um, but I, but I wouldn't say by any stretch we're like every song. We always pick a great song for radio. Like we've had a, many songs that we've thought were really great, and we've serviced them to radio, and it's and the success has been kind of middling. It's it's fine, um, but I think like you know, with a song like I Love You, we just we just know, um, and and same with you know Honey Lungs off our last record. Um, As we were recording that song, we are just like, oh, this for sure is like the rock radio song, Um, you know, especially, you know, we're a band that kind of, we bounce, we bounce around genre-wise a little bit. Some of our stuff's a little more like ethereal, acoustic, and some of it more mellow, some of it's more, a little more experimental. And then when we just kind of like get in like the rock lane, it's very clear to us, um, you know, what song is sort of going to be the one that we're going to step out the door with.
0: Did the peak performance project? Because you guys won that, right? Like, um, uh, we came in second. in
1: thousand eleven, I think it was.
0: Did that kind of give you like a, 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 a open the door to radio, or was it? Uh, or or not really? Uh, and it was it was a different song later on. Like, what was yeah. your en- what was your entry point? And once you had an entry, did it become easier every time?
1: It definitely becomes easier every time. However, you still have to deliver the goods, and there's like. Um, how, how like industry talk can I get on this podcast? Like, what's please, like- man?
0: The more that like, the whole idea about this is like, I, I feel. Artists never, uh, we don't share enough with each other. And especially we're also independent as well. Um, so I feel like there's so much learning that can be had by literally just talking to other artists. And yeah, for some reason, it seems like artists want to keep things very close to their chest. And it's like, hey, just by sharing secrets of your success, maybe we've had success in a different area. It's like you can save a lot of hardship and lessons through that. So uh, as much industry talk as, as you want, man. Totally. Okay, well, I'll give you like my take on sort of like our career at radio. And that is,
1: um, so we we came out with, see, the first time we ever got played on the radio was by The Peak. It was a song called This City's a Mess, totally not like a traditional radio song, very like linear indie song with like a wordless chorus. Um, that was when The Peak was just sort of like trying their best to just play like indie stuff. And that was sort of like their, their move. Um, so that was cool that we we're like, oh, that's like cool to be on the radio. Um, and then, and then we came with Camilo that was on our record in 2009 called Isles Disappear. Um, Camilo came out, I think it was in like the twenties or high teens on the Canadian alternative chart. And that, so we did a tour with that. We started kind of like playing some shows that were like sponsored by radio stations. Okay. We have a radio tracker that we're paying to like promote us to radio stations and we're sort of, sort of build those relationships um that was kind of like that was like the foot in the door with Camila okay like top 20 amazing like we're so excited by that that's awesome we start playing a little bit of festivals um you know you start getting just a little more traction um when that happens and also keep in mind this is like you know 13 years ago 15 years years ago so like it's a different landscape then like the radio definitely um radio numbers were were a little more influential than they are now and, and they still are, are they still are influential in, in, a, in a certain way um and then and then when we had i love you that was just like bam like number one it's so this the song is such an obvious radio song connected in the states too we started uh you know we toured that year we toured like 10 months out of year we're doing like all this stuff in the U.S. We had like the Capitol Records radio team backing
0: us. Um, oh wow! So once you had that success at Canadian radio, then you serviced it to America to see if it could uh, if it could pop there.
1: Yeah, but it, it was kind of different than that. It was actually like our manager at the time and somebody he knew kind of like muscled it onto some radio stations in the states, and then people who just track that stuff really closely at major labels started calling. And so there were all these kind of like major label chats like those discussions ended up falling through. But what did end up happening is we were working with a, a promotion team in the States called Caroline, who's now um, uh, they're not Caroline anymore. They are. It's a virgin. It, it's, sure, it's, yeah. just the, it's it's the universal partner. Um, and so we're working with them and and they sort of like upstreamed our song to the Capitol radio team because it's in the universal uh, family. And so we had like those guys, we had like also a bunch of under, other independent radio trackers working the song for us. Um, the US radio thing is like such a crazy game. Like it's not really something that you can just kind of like, oh, we're going to like do a radio campaign and see what happens. Totally. It, it sort of has to come to you. And in this case, because our manager um, and this other guy had kind of muscled our song onto the radio, like just south of the border, I think it was in like Buffalo or something. Um that got people's ears attuned, and it started to connect pretty quickly. Um, it was like number one at like the Portland alt station. It was getting lots of love in Seattle. And then LA picked it up, and um, oh wow! And like, you had some,
0: you had some real kind of movement.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think it peaked at like thirty five on the U.S. alternative chart, which is like amazing for a Canadian totally. band.
0: Um, and we were
1: touring all over the states that summer, and you know we we're playing like all of these like five dollar radio station shows. So we'd go to like Oklahoma and play to like 250 people in like a packed club because the radio station had just like promoted the shit out of the song um and and it was like that in like all these random places like columbus kansas city like just it it was crazy um and with every show we'd go we'd like go to the radio station like chat with the people like play the song acoustically and and they'd be spinning the song too and then we'd go go to the show and like play the show and we're their like band of the month or whatever um and so that was a pretty wild experience. And and then I think just like, honestly, all that touring that year and sort of like all the time spent together, like our band was kind of burnt out. Totally. Um, and so it didn't really, you know, the smart move would have been to like very quickly follow up that single with another single that sounded similar, just like a meat and potatoes rock song. Um, And I think if we had done that, we probably would have found a bit more success. Like, A, south of the border, and B, momentum would have just kept going in Canada. Instead, we just, like, fell off the face of the earth for a minute and just, like, kind of reset our engines um, and had a a lineup change, didn't make a record for another four years, and then came out with a record called called As Long As Your Eyes Are Wide in 2017, which is yeah, four years after, which was, like... super the opposite of what our record was before it was like an experimental like electronic um you know spaced out record um and it's awesome like a lot of our fan base say it's their favorite record and, and i really love the record um but it definitely did not have like an i love you on it not even close um and so we had this one song called i will follow you that went to radio i think it did like mid 20s and we we like literally like made a version of the song that had like heavier guitars in it so that it would sound like a bit more like said the whaley um and what and actually and because of um i love you doing so well at radio radio um like uh, like music directors in canada sort of started like associating said the whale with a band that is going to have like heavy guitars and like an ooh part some sort of like <laughs> high ooh hook with heavy guitars, so like that's what they expect from said the whale. So we put out this song. D- it didn't. It didn't work. Um, actually, the first song we were sent to radio on, "As Long as Your Eyes Are Wide," was called "Step into the Darkness," which was um something that like it was like our lead-off track, and and it really kind of set the tone for the record. It's a great song, but it's not a radio song, um, and that one didn't even chart. It just flopped at Canadian radio.
0: So, any I imagine play- also four years later, probably like radio is such a high turnover. I I imagine that um, a lot of people would have been in different positions at that point as well.
1: Um, Yeah, but like the band was still like active. We're still playing shows here and there and like people knew who the band was still. And we, you know, we'd had a number one song before that. Um, And I think that A, we just took too long. And B, you know, any any myth of like, oh, like once you're in the system, your like radio will always add your song is just not true like radio exists to sell advertising that is the reason that radio is there like sure it's entertaining like they play music you know the DJs are funny sometimes but that's not why that's not their business model their business model is sell ads and to sell ads they play music that sounds familiar and so when they if you give them music that doesn't sound familiar to their listener base they it's not that they don't want to play it it's that they just like business wise they can't a bad business decision for them to play that
0: did that that change then after 2017 did that uh change your guys's um you know path moving forward to saying hey you know we kind of learned a lesson here and we're gonna try deliberately on the next record to make a radio song
1: it wasn't even so much that as it was like okay as long as your eyes are wide was a fun record to make but for us, it wasn't like a natural record to make. We had to, we were working with other producers. We are sort of like out of our wheelhouse in terms of like sonics or a lot of like synths and like program drums and stuff on that record. And that's like, that's not like naturally where we sit. Like when I sit down to write a song, I don't like sit at a synth or like pull up like some beats. I like sit down with a guitar. Um, and so our next record, Cascadia, was very much a reaction to that where we we're like, okay, you know what? Fuck, like, let's just go back to what like what feels natural so that we don't need so much outside help to make this record and so we made um cascadia and um the song on that was American. and that did well that did really well at radio i think that was like number number five or four or three that it peaked at it didn't quite hit one but it did really well in canada um and again that's a song with like heavy electric guitars and an ooh part and like that's like i, I kind of like when, when i hear stuff like that like uh and, and by stuff like that I mean when I hear like oh radio expects said the world to like do this and this that that to me is like a fun challenge Um, I enjoy pop music I love songwriting and I love songwriting within like a set of rules Um, so like yeah definitely like when I'm writing a song I'm like okay like just put in, like an ooh
0: part and maybe it will be like catchier um, do you find uh tempo plays a role as well like I, does it have to be up tempo do you find for radio uh
1: for me, I think I write more effective pop music when it's at a higher tempo. But I don't think that's true for everything. You know, think of like a lot of like 21 pilot songs are late in like sure. halftime. You know, they're just yeah. like slow, like bob your head kind of things. But I'm not very good at writing that kind of music. I'm definitely more of like, you know, I come from like Pop punk, power pop, like you know, I grew up on like Green Day, Weezer, No Effects, like noise for name, all SoCal punk shit, and so that's just where my like, where my brain goes. Um, and so just to like finish my thought before on on an American, it's not like I didn't sit down. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna write a radio hit. It's just like I'm gonna write a song and just make it entertaining for me, and therefore it will be entertaining for other people. Um, and sometimes it's fun, too, to think about, like, how's this going to go over live? Like, when I get stand up on stage, um, like, a lot of the songs from As Long As Your Eyes Are Wide were really fun to play on stage, but they were a little hard to, like, translate to audiences because they're a bit more mellow and, like, vibier. Um it's, it's fun sometimes just to play, like, you know... Bangers. Big, ro- big rock, just play bangers. It's fun. It is um, fun live, yeah, yeah. totally. And um,
0: so, yeah, that's sort of, like... Are you you guys were you on a label through this through this time or or how much of your career has been on labels versus independent now I know you kind of have your own label but what about like traditionally was the goal was your goal to get on a major label or that wasn't the plan or walk me through your experience with labels.
1: Yeah, um, our first label that was that's been the label for most of our career was called Hidden Pony Records and that was just our manager at the time. Um, basically like, it was like, Hey, we can either like shop your record and like go through that whole thing of like trying to find a label or like, let's just put it at ourselves. AKA it's it's his label. Um, and so it was just his label, you know, and he would put out other management clients of his as well. Um, and then in 2019, we signed arts and crafts for the record Cascadia and then, um, and then we got out of that deal to do Dandelion with, with my label just because we wanted, we just want, kind of want to try being independent. Like we didn't have, I, I became manager. So yeah, let's try being the label too. Um, and, and that's no shade on Hidden Pony or Arts and Crafts, like both awesome labels and wonderful people at, at all of those companies. Um, but you know, just, um, Wanted to, to have to scratch the itch of of doing it myself.
0: <laughs> you just couldn't get enough of running your own band and how goddamn hard this music industry is that you had to do it for try to break other yeah. bands too,
1: or? I don't know, man. I think I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, it's it's it was a lot. I I will say that being the manager and the label on Dandelion was like a near death experience. It was it was too much. <laughs>
0: So okay, walk me through everything forever. Then, so you you kind of had the idea that you wanted to start kind of your own label, own management company, and it seems like you're kind of a and uh, the the company. Um, what have you What have you found to be challenging uh, in in either launching or kind of building fan bases with relatively new uh, artists?
1: Making money, making money is yeah. very challenging in the music industry. Um, totally.
0: Totally, the hardest part. It's so easy to
1: spend money, yeah. And um, you know, you can you can think that it's that it's all going to come back to you, um, and maybe it will. Maybe that money will come back to you. It just takes a really long time, unless you have like a, a big runaway hit. You know, you get like you know, you're gonna get like 50, 50 million streams on your song. Like you're good. Like you can you're gonna yep. have income and and money's coming in the door. It's good. But if you don't get you know a runaway streaming success or you know a radio and fan success um you know really like the revenue streams um if you're not a band that's doing a lot of syncs which we're not a band that does a lot of syncs you're basically looking at like streaming and sound exchange which means that like so streaming you have to stream like crazy which our band doesn't and then sound exchange is satellite radio which is like a lifesaver for so many bands so
0: and has that been uh has that been big for you guys satellite radio
1: yeah 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 it, it's been great um you know we, we get played by the verge uh an amount which is a, a canadian-based um serious satellite station um and then cbc radio 3 uh would be would support us as well but they are unfortunately no longer uh reporting to sound Extreme, so those uh don't count for plays Next.
0: and and so for for the artists that you sign um are you are you doing the whole whole shebang like from everything from helping them uh put the record together to releasing the whole thing to deciding where you're going to spend money or spend any money at all getting grants like are you doing the whole thing with every artist
1: uh well it's me and one other person so okay yeah the, the two of us were, were sort of uh driving the ship um and Holy uh, fuck man
0: that must take you like an unbelievable amount of time and willpower yeah. and
1: it's been a lot like we haven't released anything in a while. We've kind of been refocusing on management a little bit just to sort of like pump the brakes a bit on on money going out the door. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at right now. We're <laughs> like not actively signing at the moment.
0: Um, sure. And like how much of your time is spent on that versus said the whale? Um,
1: at like the peak of when we were like releasing lots of music, that was like hard to keep my head above water um because said the whale was super active and so were like four other bands signed to the label so that was a bit much and i probably wouldn't want to bite off that much anytime in the future but now things are a lot more balanced just um in terms of like where my management things are at and and band as well
0: so walk me through walk me through touring a little bit. Um, so you guys have done it seems like you know following your Instagram, you, you you've done very well in Canada. Um, are would you say like hard ticket numbers like what percentage of that is coming from radio versus people just finding you online? And has that changed over the years?
1: We're an interesting band to ask that question because if you if you ask, like if you asked a new band who had like their first radio hit in 2023, that question, I think their answer would be a lot different. Whereas we sort of like, we benefited from this period of time in Canada where there was like this indie rock renaissance happening. Arcade Fire was like the biggest thing ever. Broken Social Scene was the biggest thing ever. Like Feist, New Pornographers. There are all these bands that were Canadian bands that were kind of getting this like international recognition. And we just kind of came up At the same time as those bands and we never achieved the success that they did but we sort of rode that wave that was um you know big time helped by cbc radio three like providing a community for uh, music listeners to come together and, and and discover new acts um and then also you know all that sort of um that indie rock thing like being in the culture um really helped us at radio and and you know made it so that our songs you know, as long as we were writing, like, you know, songs that fit into, like, the alternative radio format, which we just kind of were because that's the music we make, um, we're being played on the radio. So I think a lot of, like, our initial fans um, came from that era, sort of between, like, 2007 and 2013 or 14, um, which is 10 years ago now. <laughs> um, and we've been fortunate enough that, that um, you know, that success is sort of, like, maintained, and we have those fans and I guess like does said the whale make new fans every time we release a song, that's something I'm not sure about because we, you know, when, when we tour, we generally kind of are playing similar numbers uh, on those tours. You know, in Vancouver we'll do like the Vogue theater Um, in Toronto, we'll do like, you know, 500, 2000 kind of depending on like, has there been radio success on that record or not? Um, and so it's like art. We're not doing that. We're kind of like doing this a little bit. And it's cool. You're, you're,
0: you're still selling the Vogue, man. Like that's not easy to do for year over year. Like, no, I, no, or, or, or is it like, do you notice that like, I maybe I don't know if you've ever asked your audience this question, but when you play a show, say your last show you played in Vancouver, do you ask like who's seen said the whale before? And is it, you know, three quarters of the audience saying yes or Uh, Is it 100% or or 15%?
1: I'm going to go with like, yeah, three quarters have probably seen us before. So I think there is some like some new listeners joining the ranks. And that's got to be word of mouth. Um, Radio, maybe like people hearing on a radio. I mean, people discover music, all sorts of different places, whether it's like their Spotify discover weekly, or if it's just they turn on the radio and they like a song, they Shazam it. Um, We have like decent Shazam stats. So that's definitely like that contributes for sure um and and then yeah i think just like um yeah i mean i i I count as among the very fortunate bands who are who are able to tour canada and and put people in rooms
0: it was really interesting i went to the grandson here not long ago and i I saw him here i saw him here several years ago and he asked the question he's seen who's seen grandson before and i assumed like 90% 90% of the audience was going to say yes. Uh, and I was so surprised. It was like the absolute opposite. It's like the majority of the fans had not seen him before, but he wasn't playing a much bigger venue. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it was the other fans kind of fell off or didn't grow with him or or, or whatnot. But it I've, I've seen a couple of artists ask that question, and it's it's so predominantly new people seeing the band. Um, that that it's really it's interesting seems like you guys have been able to kind of keep your fan base year over year over year which could be even harder
1: oh yeah i mean i'm not saying that we have it easy at all you know it's definitely it takes work to maintain a fan base and and you know try and connect with those listeners and keep people engaged especially if you know if you're going to go through periods where you're not releasing music for a couple years um what reason do people have to engage with you um you know for us like you know we we have an awesome core group of fans some of them call themselves said heads which i think i was gonna ask thing. you is
0: that uh, did they adopt that themselves or is that something you guys uh, gave them
1: no somebody said it to me at a show one time and i thought it was so funny and then i just like said it online a couple times and then during the pandemic Somebody started a Facebook group called Sed Heads and like nice. 200 people joined. And then we had a Patreon uh, during the pandemic to sort of like, you know, stay engaged and bring in like a few extra dollars. Um, and that cultivated a really awesome community of people. And then all those people moved into a Discord. And so there's like a said Heads Discord. And there's Do like you have a, nine- sa- a said
0: Heads uh, t-shirt or...
1: No, but that ha- that has to come. Like one day for
0: sure that's going to That's a layup, man. You're you're going to sell you're going to sell a couple hundred of those things.
1: <laughs> the thing is like I don't even want to sell anything to those people even though I know that like those are the people that historically have spent the most money on our band and are happy to because our band means something to them. And 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 they mean something to us. It's a very amazing relationship. But like sometimes I actually feel guilty. Like I don't want any of these people to ever pay for said the will ever again. Like, sure, they deserve yeah. to have it for free. But you have I a good also, heart,
0: man. Uh, but I do. to
1: keep the business hat on. So
0: walk me through uh, merchandise. Is that something that you guys have, um, you know, really put a focus on throughout your career, or not as much, or or, or uh, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, merchandise for us is primarily when we're doing tours. Um, when we're doing tours, like, nothing makes me happier than seeing, like, a giant merch booth with, like, all sorts of cool items and, like, high-quality gear and and really just cool designs and lots to choose from. Um, online, we don't do a ton of sales, and I honestly think that has to do with just, like, shipping is a nightmare. Um, nobody, you know, Amazon has made it so that everybody expects shipping to be free all the time. We obviously can't do that um and so you know our sales online compared to what they are at shows is like you know hardly anything um but at shows we do well like you know there are times we've gone out um especially on like supporting tours like when we we went and toured with mother mother in 2019 and we were making like 500 bucks a show but we were crushing like four grand a night at the merch table which you know for a lot of bands actually that's that's a tiny amount Um, but for us, we're just like, this is amazing. Like that literally kept that tour, uh, from being a total financial bloodbath.
0: And are you guys doing, um, all, all ordering designs, uh, fulfillment? Is that everything you guys are doing yourselves?
1: Um, yes and no, like we know we're outsourcing the designs to whoever we think are amazing artists. Um, and then fulfillment, we have uh, a person in Vancouver who helps us out with the fulfillment for online stuff. And then yeah, on tour we'll have like a tour manager that that helps uh, facilitate all that.
0: And what about um, are you guys a band or or yourself? Seems like you're managing the band. Are you like constantly looking at the numbers? Uh, you know, just trying to figure out where you're finding patterns, seeing your demographics. Is that something you pay like a ton of attention to, a little bit, or or none at all?
1: Um, a little bit. I. I'm not a huge fan of data, which is funny because I talk about it with other people and I sort of have like some stuff going on where data is a big part of things. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I try and just like go with a gut check most of the time. Um, and like, you know, I will – fortunately, the person who, who manages – I managed said the wheel with somebody else. I mean, he is far more data-driven than I am. So he can often sort of like back up my gut check – with either like, yeah, you're totally right, this is correct, or like, nope, you're wrong this time and, and here's the data.
0: Yeah, it's tough. You can you can definitely just go down the rabbit hole sometimes too far where it's I, I find for us it's it's challenging because we, we definitely you you look at the data and you you want to try to find things or demographics, but One thing that's so hard about the music industry is like when you're so amped on a release or you think it's awesome or you've put all the blood, sweat and tears into it and you have goals and stuff. And then if something just flops or doesn't connect, you know, and then you're like, fuck, man, you just you got to be next up at bat again and again and again and and try to keep uh, morale high, which isn't always easy. Yeah, I mean, it, it can seriously be
1: the most deflating industry ever um because of course like yeah when you're working on that creative thing or like you you have this song coming out like in your head the song is like the biggest hit that the world has ever seen because if you didn't think that like what the fuck are you doing like why are you even working on this if it's not the biggest hit in the world or like or if it's not the greatest thing in the world you know like um hmm I'm trying to think. Is, is there a way of wording that without seeming conceited? I don't mean it like you. No, think... No, you gotta have. You, you gotta have the luck. belief. Like, if, yeah, yeah you, you have to believe in what you're doing. And like, you know, you go in a studio and you spend all this money and you're doing this thing. It's because you're trying to like um, see through this vision, and you think the vision is great because you're in it. Then that's that's what your that's what your job is. You're working on it. Um, and then when it turns out that that you were incorrect and it isn't like you know received by the world as the, you know this magnum opus, and everybody thinks you're the greatest band in the world. Um you can still believe that and that's awesome and you should and you may have fans that believe that but it can be very deflating to not have things received
0: the way that you have them in your in your dreams yeah, and then and then be ready to do it all again every time.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just gotta put on your boots again and,
0: <laughs> and totally. get back to the mines. Walk me walk me through you guys. Uh, you know, you you guys have seen a real change uh, in the industry. You know, you were you know almost pre where it was social, 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 social. Oh, and you have a song kind of thing. Like, what? Um, walk me through your perspective just on the industry that you got into versus what it is now. Oh, man. And, and, and also, oh, like, how has is, how is the job changed as well uh, from, from being an artist? Yeah, it's it's hard
1: for me to really, like, offer a, a great perspective, which is strange because I've always just kind of tried to roll with the punches and just do what you're supposed to do. Um, but definitely, like, I remember very distinctly when people on our team first started saying, like, you guys need to make more content, like make more content, make some content. It's kind of like, what do you mean content? What is content? I literally didn't know what they were talking about. Um, and so, and at the time that was right when we started, first started working with um, Caroline and like, I love you was kind of doing stuff. So we did this like fishing with Ben thing, like this little, like it, it kind of, it made us do these kind of cool little like video things. Um, and we put a lot of effort into it and it ended up being really fun, but that was the first time when somebody ever said that to us. And now that's all you hear. Everyone's just like, it's literally just about content. Like you need to go on a tour and get content. Like if you play a show and you don't have a photographer there, did you play the show? Don't know. Like you have to have content and be sharing things online all the time. And that just wasn't what it was like when we first started doing it. Um, you know, for better or for worse, like it can be really fun to do that. It can it can actually lead some other creative avenues it can um, it can grow your skill set it can make you um, explore parts of your band that maybe you never would have um, if you weren't sort of um, being forced to be like a content creator all the time Uh, but then at the same time being a content creator all the time is like the most exhausting thing that exists you know like kind of did the TikTok thing for a minute and it just gets absolutely exhausting tiresome it's so hard to to want to spend that much time like making all this all this visual content when actually you just kind of want to write songs totally Um, so you know yeah it's is it better is it worse i don't know it doesn't kind of doesn't matter what i think it just is and that's you just kind of got to roll with it
0: yeah. Are, are you the one like are you if if you're doing TikToks, you're doing social media, are you wearing all those hats or does the band kind of all have different jobs, so to speak, within the band?
1: It's generally me. Um, and, you know, everyone else in the band is is amazing about like, you know, if like I if I'm saying like, hey, guys, like, let's we got to go film some stuff. Like, come with me. Let's go film this stuff like they're down. Um, I don't think they're like naturally like yo let's go like make some content because that like not many people are really it's sort of like a, a strange thing um but um you know i i do try to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of of what's going on and kind of what's required of of artists um as the years go by um so i, I try and keep us up to date and stuff but it, it also like it doesn't always come naturally to me too like i have, I have to learn like i just spend time like learning about tiktok and like how you're supposed to communicate on the app. Or like, and every app and social network sort of has like a, a different style of communication that's expected from its users. And you have to just learn how to speak that language before you can go on and like, you know, make a video that's gonna fit in or connect with users.
0: Totally. Yeah. TikTok to me feels like the it's just like the Wild West. You just, you just have absolutely no idea. You know, you could you could just do a video that you're like, wow, we put all this effort into. We think this is such a great idea. It's unique, it's a, it could be a trend and it gets hundred views and then you could do the stupidest little like you know pew 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 with your guitar and it can get a million views it's like how do you how do you how do you take in that information and then actually try to use that to formulate a plan it's uh it's like someone there just hits the randomizer button every day
1: yeah like yes and no i mean there are ways you can game tiktok you know if if you go on and like the way that we kind of first did it is i I just went on and watched like Seriously, like a thousand videos from like, I just trained my algorithm to basically teach me everything about like how to grow your TikTok following. And a lot of it was just teaching you all these kind of corny hacks of like, you know, you need to have like a hook in the first three seconds and like you need to be uh, your value proposition needs to be in the first three seconds, like all this stuff. So we made some TikToks when we first started that like did pretty well, got like, you know, a couple hundred thousand views and, and it worked like we got 18,000 TikTok followers in like a month just because we were following this sort of like set of rules. Um, and then it was kind of, we burnt out and it just, it kind of became meaningless because you're literally just like growing to, I don't, I
0: don't know. It's, it's silly. It's hard um, to gauge if they're actually, uh, I, I find it's uh, like, unlike other platforms, I find TikTok um there's not actual a lot of fans on there even if you get big videos or you get a lot of followers um like for us for example we don't sell a lot of merchandise off of tiktok or we wouldn't if we're driving a a pre-save campaign or something not a lot of the engagement would come from tiktok it would Mm -hmm. almost always come from youtube and instagram where it feels like the followers there are actually more loyal to you they feel like they're actually fans totally yeah i mean people on tiktok are they're window shopping they're not like going into a yeah. store and like
1: and, and engaging with you on that deep level i mean like case in point our our number one most watched TikTok is a video that my partner shot of me when i couldn't think of the word cord because i did wordle and i it was cord and i was pronouncing it chorb and i just like had a total brain fart she like turned on her camera and it was a really funny video. Like, it's no surprise to me. I, I, I saw a video. It's just like I'm gonna put this on TikTok and it's gonna get a million
0: views, and it did. And bam, <laughs> yeah, oh, hilarious. Okay, how is um Let's let's chat kids a little bit. How is has how kids impacted uh, your career? Um, a
1: lot and not at all. Um, you know, a lot in that like, you know, it absolutely changes. Um, the amount of time that i can be away from my family you know i'm not like there was a time where i could just get in the van and like go tour america for 10 months and like not really worry about like what's going on at home and like don't really care if i'm not making that much money or whatever um and now yeah it's it's very different I, i'm thinking about like you know any time that i go and play a show like i'm leaving my partner at home to like take care of our children um and um so it, it's a consideration. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think like in the ways that have you, it changed,
0: like, have you changed the way that you tour, like in terms of like, cause you guys oh, just yeah. did a pretty decent tour not that long ago, right? Like, would you change like, um, like I talked to Dan Mangan and he said, since he had kids, uh, he changed the way that he kind of does his legs. Like he'll kind of go in like two weeks stints and try to, you know, get three weekends every time. Uh, and then, and then, you know, take a little bit of a break so he can, he can be back home and which obviously earlier in his career, you know, going two months or whatever is no problem or, or like you're saying even more.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, for sure. Like on the last tour, we definitely did that. We, we'll break it into sections um, or, or we'll do things like instead of like driving across to Toronto and coming back, we'll just try and like, we'll fly to Toronto and drive one way back um, just to keep things as, you know, as quick as possible. Um, and, and, um, our keyboard player Jason just had a baby as well. Um, okay. So, you know, like she's not even doing any shows with us right now, um, that are away from Vancouver because it's just not possible. Got to yeah. Be how a new, can you? A newborn, yeah. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like the newborn has to be with mom and that's it. Um, yeah. so yeah, it absolutely impacts touring. But, um, to be honest, I, I like just kind of flying in and out. I'm, I'm into it. It's fun. It, you kind of you compact all of the fun parts of playing in a band into like one little weekend come home back to the family it's great i love it yeah
0: totally Tour, touring's tough man that's that's one thing like for us um You know, we we started kind of in in late 2018 and then um, we started getting, I guess, more popular through 2020 in the pandemic. So we didn't really tour. Uh, And then uh, once the obviously the world opened up, we were we were full force. uh, And then we went on like four straight tours, like back to back. We did America, Europe, America, Europe. Um, And by the by the end of the fourth one, we were just just dead. Like, literally, yeah. it, it took me like, like, similar to what you were talking about when you did the, your full American swing. It's like, you know, it took me a, a good couple of months just to get my my energy levels back. Uh, yeah. and, and let alone you're like, OK, we got to, you know, OK, talk about we got to follow this up or, you, you, you know, you got to release something or, you know, and then you get, you know, I don't want to say pressure, but, you know your manager or whoever you're working with is, well, when's the next tour? When's the next tour? It's like, totally. we just finished the tour, man. That was, that was three months ago. and you want to put another one on sale already? It's like, you guys yeah. are, you guys are crazy. Yes. Yeah. It can be a lot. Yeah. But I don't think artists get the, uh, or at least fans, I don't think understand that side of things, uh, where you know it becomes more like you're a professional athlete, except you're not flying in a private jet and you're not, uh, you know, getting beautifully catered meals and and massages after every show. It's you know you're running on very little sleep. You're you know you're going from one show to the next or one thing to the next. That it's, um, I I found often our our band someone gets sick and then everybody has it and and you're kind of just. You're almost fighting to survive a little bit. But at the same time, every single night, you know that, you know, you don't want to take for granted that these these people have come and and you want to give your absolute best that you can. So you got to just find that that level. 100%. Yeah. For
1: us, like a big thing was was always like what we would do after the show and and like like you said, yeah. Like when you when you're on stage, like you're gonna give it everything you have. Like you know, this is the show. Like this is what you've been. You drove eight hours. You spent your whole day like prepping for the show. You do the show. You give it everything you've got. Um, for the for an audience member, like this is their Friday night. uh But for you, it's kind of like this is like your tenth Friday night in a row. And so like give it all you can on stage. But a lot of times, you know, when we're touring, we won't go out to the merch booth because that's actually what ends up killing us. It's like. If we, like, do the show and then you go and, like, talk to people for two hours after, your voice is gone. And then and then the next show, nobody's got a show because you're, like, hoarse. You can't sing. You ruined it. You spent all of your energy, like, talking to people. When if you would actually just, like, done the show, like, that's awesome. People love it. And, you know, if you need to explain it to people, go ahead. But you don't actually have to explain it. You don't always have to go and, like do all of the extra things on top of that. Yeah, I know. It's so tough, though. It's so
0: tough when you're, you know, I guess you're kind of eager beavers at the same time, and you want to, like, solidify that bond, you know. I I remember I I saw Macklemore um, when he first played in Vancouver to, like, I don't know, 150 people or something, and Uh, His girlfriend was selling their merch. And you could tell they just had a real family operation. And I I, I never forgot that after the show, he came out and literally spoke to every single person who wanted to say hi to him, took a picture with absolutely every person. And um, I'd heard him talk about that on his socials kind of now, you know, obviously, you know, where he is in his career. And so I was kind of like, okay, I guess we got to do that. You know, we got to talk to every fan and and you got to make that relationship. And then after you do it, you know, enough times, and then you start playing to not 200 people, but to 500 people. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to take us two and a half hours now. It becomes a, a totally different uh, job than, I, you know, I think you knew going in. Totally. Yeah. And, and I mean,
1: listen, like we've done that lots in our career too. It's like go to the merge booth. It's one of the fastest way to like make connections, real connections with, with people and turn them into supporters of you for life. Um, if you just go have a conversation with somebody. And and yeah, like we'll still do it sometimes, but it just it kind of depends on the night. Like if if we're doing not doing anything the next day, like for sure Sure, go for it. But if we have like an early flight or an early drive to the next show, or like you know you're on tour, that's when you have to be the most conscious about your health.
0: Totally. Okay, last last couple questions for you. Um, so I guess the three of you guys, you've been in a band for well over ten years, almost fifteen years. What is what has been your key to like longevity and and sticking together through such a challenging industry? um
1: i mean i think honestly probably compromise um that's you got to kind of learn how to like work with the people around you and like you know whether it's like songwriting and you have like a disagreement over a song and and you just kind of concede or like or you, you feel really strongly about something you fight for it. Or you kind of like you pick your battles and you figure out how to just work with people around you or whether it's like okay like on tour like you know these are the kinds of hotels we like to say it, or like, these are like the kinds of restaurants we want to stop at on the road or like whatever, just like various concessions all along the way. It's never like exactly the way that you want it to be, but you're doing it for sort of the people around you. So I think that that's honestly been it. It's just
0: nice. And, just and, and you guys are, uh, were you always like friends like at the beginning or did you come together? Cause you were, uh, it, it was through totally just through music.
1: Uh, a bit of both. Like Ben and I went to high school together. We were friends in high school and, and and after high school and and um and so we wanted to start a project together. And then Spencer, who plays drums, he was someone who was at our high school but was in a younger grade. And so we kind of like we had a bit of a relationship with him through some like theater stuff because he was always like the drummer in the band uh, for the musicals at our high school. Um and then um and then yeah, uh, jacelyn I knew her brother because I played soccer with her brother. So. That, there was like a, a bit of a friend connection there, and then um, and then yeah, and everybody else has just kind of been through music and stuff. But
0: nice. Um, okay, last question. What uh, you've 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 been in this industry a long time, man. You've you've obviously learned a lot of lessons. So what uh, what advice are you you given to uh, both young people in general and uh, potentially young artists who are who are looking to do this thing?
1: I think. Like, this is the most simple advice ever, but just be nice to everyone and be kind to everybody and treat everybody with respect. And honestly, like, that pays dividends. You know, being nice to people can actually be a very selfish act and it can pay off for you. Um, You know, I, I can... I cannot... Like, I've lost count of the number of times that, like, just from having had a nice interaction with somebody or, like, given them, like, a you know, the time of day or, you know, the respect they deserve has like opened a door for me. Um, so, you know, as if you need a reason to be nice to people, there is actually a reason to be nice to people. And that is it benefits you, benefits yeah. them, it benefits everybody. Stage
0: advice. Uh, you and Dan Mangan, man, you guys are, you guys are on the, said, same he say, he's say say the, the same page. He said the same thing. thing. He's like, he's <laughs> like man, just, he's like, just being a nice guy and being a good hang. He's like, that's uh, I, it's opened so many doors for me. So that's, that's uh, two artists who have been in this for a really long time say a similar thing. Obviously, there's something to it.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, Dan's a guy who, like, we became friends a long time ago, like, when we were both just starting out, and, like, we, I was texting with him yesterday, like, we stay in touch, and, like, we have kids the same, similar ages, and, um, yeah, all those relationships are so important.
0: Awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you, uh, you hanging and giving us kind of an inside look at said the whale and hopefully, uh, it'd be awesome if, uh, if we come across uh, each other and and grab a coffee or something sometime we're both obviously in Vancouver. So I'd love
1: that. When's your next show?
0: Uh not for a, not for a bit. Uh, okay. We're actually uh, expecting our first child. So oh, uh, okay. yeah, congratulations! So yeah, so I've been asking some asking some people with kids, uh, you know, what it's like, and yes. Um, so we're we're gonna go through that, uh, you know that that whole process, and then probably uh, September. I think next September, uh, we'll do uh, we'll be a, a big tour. So
1: awesome, awesome. Well, good luck to you with the with a new baby. That's gonna be amazing. <laughs>